welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, and welcome to uh, Sweltering Monday. It's July 26. I've got uh, roofers on the... Uh, on the roof next door to my house, which is, you know, all of a yard or so from my house. <laughs> so they're banging and talking and um, I can hear every word myself. I, I'm hoping that it won't bleed over uh, into the show. But if you hear that kind of uh, noise, <clears throat> that's what it is. And uh, I have to tell you, I feel for them. If there's one place I wouldn't want to be today, it's uh, on top of a black roof, putting down black shingles uh, under this uh, incredible, interminable sun and uh, with the humidity as high as I suspect it is, if it's anything like it was yesterday. God, like soup. Anyway... There she is, talking about the weather again. Uh, well, it's Monday, and I'm tiptoeing in. Um, let me see what else I have here to start things off. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reluctant uh, to start with COVID stuff, but that's really what's uppermost in my mind and has been. Um, my, my growing anger at the fact that we find ourselves where we are, uh, heading into potentially another deadly surge and unnecessarily so only because of the unwillingness, the obstinacy, the stupidity the fear i i i don't even know how to selfishness i mean you can characterize it in a million ways of tens and tens of millions of americans who have the vaccine available to them and who refuse to take it uh it's it's hard not to worry that just when we thought, how silly of us, that we could return to life as normal, we really could be heading into another hellish winter like we endured last year. And all, again, unnecessarily. It, I don't know that I've ever had such lack of love, I guess, for my fellow humans. I fear them. I, I look at them with uh, incredulity. And I, I'm, I'm, I really am at a, at a, at a loss. Uh, you know, the, the, the let's just, be clear here for uh, a little bit. 
because of the people who have refused this miracle vaccine, um, all of us remain vulnerable, even the vaccinated to a certain extent. And we've all gotten a pretty a pretty quick, if a year and a half or so is considered quick, course in virology and how viruses spread and how they can be combated. Uh, some of us have learned. Uh, some have refused. And one of the things I have learned is that viruses, given the time, uh, will mutate and get stronger and will figure out ways around whatever vaccine we have come up with to kill it. They don't stop coming until we give them no quarter at all. And we've got 40% of our country essentially saying to the virus, come on in, come on in. You can mutate in me. And we know that this Delta mutation is more contagious, much more contagious than the original. And if you think that Delta is the end of the mutations, again, you haven't been paying attention. Somewhere out there, there's a gamma variant and a lambda variant. And if you know the Greek alphabet, you can just keep on going. They will keep on coming. And who knows how much more communicable each of those variants will be. One right now could be being born somewhere in this country, somewhere anywhere in the world. This is a global pandemic. The Delta variant, as we know, didn't come into the world in the United States, it's believed it came from India. Well, it sure is hex in the United States now. And that what that's exactly what would happen with other and deadlier variants. So every infected person and every potentially infected person, all the unvaccinated, all over the world offer this wondrous opportunity to the virus to enter and to grow and to morph into something even worse. And so until we can get these fools these fools in our country to get vaccinated, they and we will continue to be vulnerable. 
And <clears throat> as one article put it that I saw, and the unvaccinated amongst us will be setting this country on fire over and over again. You know, these breakthrough infections, they were very rare. They're not so rare anymore. And that suggests that Delta uh, maybe has a potential to break through even to vaccinated people more so than the original virus. Uh, as far as scientists can tell, it's roughly twice as contagious. And those that are infected with it apparently carry much higher amounts of it. We know what the answer is. We know what the way out of this is. But unless we can force, literally mandate people to get the virus, I mean the vaccination, we will not return to normal. We will live in fear and at risk. Um, let me quote a the chief health officer for uh, Indiana University. He says, you know, if we look at our history, medic, the medical history, um, we have seen victories, incredible victories over so many diseases, smallpox, polio, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, and those victories only came as a result of mandates. Mandates by states, mandates by local governments, mandates by schools. If you didn't get the vaccine, you weren't going to be able to live your life. You were going to be essentially a pariah. And lo and behold, it worked. If the people now <laughs> were living back then when we took on all of these killers, we would still have these killers. And when states and school districts and others refused to mandate vaccine, the disease spreads. People suffer. People die. The only way to achieve herd immunity is through mandates. It's obvious because we got too many idiots living in this country. They've got to be forced. Now, my understanding is, is that the U.S. Constitution likely, as interpreted, would say that the federal government uh, is 
unable to mandate vaccinations. I'm no lawyer. I'm not a legal scholar. But states have done so. Municipalities have done so. Schools have done so and, in fact, are doing so now. Private employers have the right to do so. And I think we'll see more and more. I hope to hell we'll see more and more and more of that. If that is the only way to safeguard us all. As as it stands now, we are not going to defeat COVID. We're not going to. And it's going to be something that we're going to live with for the rest of our lives, the fear of it. Those of us who have been vaccinated will find that we're going to have to be vaccinated probably every year for it. It'll join uh, influenza and uh, HPV as diseases that we literally chose to accept. Maybe not you, maybe not me, but sure as heck enough of us so that the virus lives. But understand, it is a choice. And so companies and schools and communities that enact vaccine mandates will literally be saving lives. Not just the lives of their employees or their students or their residents, but the lives of countless others. And damn, I hope they step up at much greater. What's that word? (laughs) Much greater velocity. That's not the word. More of them step up, okay? And 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 here we we know. I mean, this is. I got the Pfizer vaccine. I got it uh, five months ago. Now I'm reading, and I want to apologize to the caller who called on Thursday and said he was hearing that um, the vaccines weren't working real well after just six months. And I said, oh, poo-poo, that's not true. Well, I see now what he saw. There is evidence that the Pfizer vaccine, the one I got, is less effective after about six months. So I now am thinking I am not as secure as I thought I was. And in a month, definitely, I will be less secure than I thought I was. And Pfizer continues to do studies on a global level that 
And their studies early early on, their studies are showing that four to six months, and I'm in that category, after the second dose of their vaccine, the vaccine's effectiveness drops from 95%, which is where I thought I was, to 84% and probably continues to drop. So I got news for you. I'm feeling vulnerable again. And I'm hoping that I have and can get a booster shot very quickly. You know, I was looking forward to going to Green Bay, Wisconsin for my mom's 99th birthday in a few weeks. I'm not looking forward to it anymore. I'm getting frightened. I don't want to disappoint her. On the other hand, I don't want to kill her. Because to get there, I've got to fly. My son and I have to get on two airplanes to get there and two airplanes to get home. And who knows if the people we're flying with are vaccinated. They don't have to be. They just have to be wearing masks. Scary stuff. I'd rather fly in a plane with all Democrats because 86% of Democrats have at least one shot. Don't want to get on a plane with Republicans. I'll tell you that right now. So that's my concern. The caller still there? We're doomed. Uh, well, I I sort of think so in many ways. I mean, if we're either doomed this way or we're doomed with climate change. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, we're doomed. Well, then I, I mean, mean I, I, I mean, in many different uh, directions, we're doomed. And, and yeah. uh, I mean. You think about it, I mean, so what would it take for us to get over COVID if all these variants keep building up? Mm -hmm. It's going to take government leadership. And and in some ways, it may, that would probably spark a civil war in the crazy states. Because you're going to have a president going to just like lay down the hammer and say this has got to happen, and if I got to call, create cause, you know, declare martial law and get the military off, it, and if that happens under a president like the last one, well, say goodbye to our democracy. I mean, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't have make people do things, but it's going to get really ugly. To make well, we can. Do. I know it is. Well, but the people that we're worrying about will, you know take up arms because their freedom is being, uh, you know, is being taken from them. Um, They're going to do that one way or the other anyway. And we cannot fail to act out of fear of what their reaction will be. But I also say, let's say in like three or four years and let's say the ultimate craziness happens and he ends up not in jail, but back in the Oval Office and all of a sudden populations start dying off. I can see President Voldemort coming and saying, this is what we're going to do, tough shit. And then he's going to, he'll 
he'll take it and run. And there goes our democracy. Quite frankly, I think that will happen. Well, and uh, listen, I mean, I mean it's, an, it's, an it's an opportunity for some people. Yes, of course. We're living in exceedingly dangerous times in so many ways. There's no doubt about and, it. But and just um, like you said, the environment. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it ain't one thing, it's going to be another. And the environment will continue to create um, all kinds of turmoil uh, from infrastructure difficulties, flooded subways, bridges falling down. We're heading into an extraordinarily chaotic and frightening future. And uh, that goes without saying. And anyone who thinks otherwise is literally whistling past the graveyard. I've got another but, caller, but the, so I'm going to go. The thing is, yeah, but, yeah, but thing is, okay, I'll let you go. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Yes. Bye-bye. And this meeting of uh, of the doomsayers will now come to order. Hello, caller. Hey, it's Jonathan. Jonathan. Oh. So a few things. Start to say, how are you? But I've been calling talk shows long enough, Jiminy. Um, a few things. First of all, uh, I work for a doctor's office, and um, every other week we see patients in a rural county. Uh, in fact, I sent you a video. Oh, you <laughs> sent I me this incredible <laughs> video. Yeah. He, will you yeah. explain what you did? He sent me a video. Yeah, First of all, he, he, I know, but I want to talk about it. You misled okay. me. You said something about, you know, I have to be in whatever it was, Fayette County uh, for work. And there's these wonderful roadside stands with wonderful <laughs> fruits and vegetables. I stopped. I sent you this video. And and so I looked. I thought, what do I want to look at vegetables for? But I, I looked at the <laughs> video. It wasn't vegetables. Go ahead. Tell it me what you. It was fruitcakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was uh, all manner of Trump paraphernalia. Um, oh, a big, a, a big tent filled <laughs> with, I mean, all kinds of everything you could want, um, <laughs> except for Q stuff, which I have to give them credit for that. But um, I, I figured, okay, well, I, I'm going to check this out, but I'm going to pretend that I'm one of them. And there were these two ladies uh, who were um, running the, the two place. Old, I was two the older only women. Yeah. Two older women and who could not have been nice, sweeter. warm, That's right. sweet, more well. Yeah. They had two little dogs with them. And I walked up and uh, as manner of introduction, I said, oh, I see you have your two helpers with, with you here today, you know, your little dogs. And we were talking and joking. Some, they, they had socks with Trump hair coming out of them. They had a hat with Trump hair, and I, I said to the one lady, you know, it would be funny if he had this hat, and he took it off, and then his real hair was there, and oh, she left. Uh, just um, amazing, and these were two ladies who, if I had seen them in any other circumstance, like a real fruit and vegetable stand, I would have thought mm -hmm. these are just the nicest. Yeah, but they're selling stuff that says, uh, other signs that say, Fuck Biden and oh, piss yeah. on Democrats and with well, all this, I mean, some thing. of this stuff is so horrific. Oh, vile, vile, and and that's what I was thinking was that here are two people who 
they obviously, they must have a lot of hate in them. They, they can't sell this kind of stuff and, and not. Uh, and it, it, was, it was just stunning. And I was happy to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway. Um, you called. That same day. Uh, yeah, that same day, uh, we, um, I work for a doctor's office. We don't see sick people. We do testing of different kinds. And uh, a patient came in in her 30s, and uh, she uh, was coughing, had a fever. And we have a form for people to fill out. And under, um, you know, have you been vaccinated? No. And the doctor said to her, listen, you're, you're coughing, you have a fever, we, we can't see you. And he asked her, have you thought of, of getting vaccinated? I don't want it. And he mind if I ask why? It's personal. I just don't want it. And I, I just, my teeth, I was clenching my teeth. Uh, so frustrating. And he mentioned her, listen, you have, and he started to run down a litany of other health issues she has. And, you know, you mentioned before, Lynn, about um, feeling empathy. And I consider myself an empathetic, kind person. I try to be anyway. Mm -hmm. I've got yeah. none. I've got none, none right. for these people. Uh, none. It, because they're they're hurting people. And a couple of interesting things I, I read. I read something, I saw something on CNN about there are certain places in these red states that are setting up vaccination areas where people can hide. They can go in unseen because they're afraid of being, they're afraid of being seen by their friends or family. And I read uh, somewhere something about a guy that said, I'd rather be caught by my wife with another woman. Uh, it's tearing his marriage apart that he wants a vaccination. It, it, it's, it, so, it's, just, it's, it's so sad. It, I, and I, there are kids who are getting vaccinated uh, when their parents told them they can't. Teenagers uh, skulking off to get vaccinated because yeah. their parents are too stupid. Um, I did. Well, so did this? Did, did they tell this woman who might well have had COVID to get tested? Did you test? Was she tested for a for COVID? We, we suggested it, but we couldn't. You can't, we she wouldn't can't even get tested. Oh, and by the way, she was pissed. She was really she. Uh, she was referred to us by her primary care, and she was so angry that we wouldn't see her for her test uh, that she called her primary care, and they then called us and said, is it true that, um, you know, you wouldn't see her unless she was vaccinated? And we explained, no, but she had an active cough and was sick, and no, <laughs> not going to see her. This isn't an emergency situation. Um, yeah. But she was she was furious. Um, yeah. And if she gets it, when I feel terrible, I feel guilty. This isn't me. But if she would get it, I'd have trouble feeling bad for her because it's optional. Uh, aggravating. Um, and did you see the Alabama governor? The the uh, lady yeah the with old the white that, hair that old, the old lady with the man's voice. I think yeah. <laughs> Well, um, thing, I think she's got it right saying we have to blame the unvaccinated. And too yeah. many of us 
touchy feeler saying, no, you can't blame them. They're, they're being misled. You have to. No, I blame them. I'm happy. Well, she's that, you know, I've never agreed with anything that woman has said, but I agree with her on that. Yeah. Right. Yes. You blame them and coming from her. Uh, I do appreciate her having said it. Well, thank you. And you could see the frustration. It's it's amazing. Well, we're going to go down in history as the stupidest. Well, we're we're yeah, we're too you know we're too stupid to live. <laughs> we're too stupid. We're too. I'm sorry. I mean, if Darwin had it right at all, I mean, we ain't the fittest. We are so far from the fittest. This country's going down. We're going down. Right. Right. And right. and we've allowed just too many fools and idiots uh, to to, I don't know, have power. But, you know, we're not alone. They're having these protests in Sydney, in Australia. They're having them in, in yeah. I know. Well, because you know, misinformation, it's all on the Internet. It's global. Right. It's a global pandemic of misinformation and stupidity. Right. Yeah, we're burning our I house down it. with the earth, and we're killing ourselves. So I know. <laughs> Yay us! Goodbye and good luck. Yay us! Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you. All right. Always good Talk to hear from you, Jonathan. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh dear, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know where to go from here. It's really, speaking of idiocy, this school district stuff is uh, growing uh, by leaps and bounds by that. I mean, school districts all around Pittsburgh, uh, you know, writing new policies uh, that says that you cannot teach critical race theory, even though they're not teaching critical race theory. I mean, this is like, again, what is wrong with these people? They get crazed about things that don't even exist. And then when they're presented with a real, with a real danger, like COVID or like climate crisis, they say, oh, <clears throat> that's not important somehow. Or you're making that up. God almighty. In today's uh, PG, there was a, a little item about uh, the idiots who run the uh, school district in Mars, PA. And in their infinite wisdom, I guess they unanimously decided that their school, uh, the schools in Mars, have voted to uh, a new mission statement. That promotes patriotism, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it says that it will become a core value that quality education should promote students to be informed, engaged, and patriotic. They're going to fly the flag on every building, in every classroom. They're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance every hour on the hour, practically. Uh, they're going to play the national anthem. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And the policy, of course, also bans teaching 
concepts that get this. Here's the quote, impute fault, blame, uh, blame, a tendency to oppress others or the need to feel guilt or anguish solely because of a person's race, sex, or religion. In other words, that what they're saying is, we ain't going to teach anything that's going to make a white Christian male feel bad. If anything we teach makes you feel guilty, then we're not doing our job. <laughs> I love the fact that they must obviously feel some guilt if they don't want to feel guilt. They feel that learning the real history of this country, they see in it a sense of shame. And they're not willing to acknowledge that. So they're going to bury it under missions where we will teach that this is the greatest nation on earth and always has been and always will be. And nothing awful ever happened here. Unbelievable. So they joined Quaker Valley, Sewickley uh, Academy, um, a million others. I keep every other day. There's another school district that's that's doing this, and this is prompted totally by uh, crazed right wing uh, parents. Unbelievable. Are you watching the Olympics? I'm sort of, kind of, but not. Um, there's just something. I, you know, I, what I always used to love the Olympics because what I love is watching these extraordinary athletes and often uh, athletes doing things or games or competitions that I would normally not watch or care about. But watching anybody do something at the highest level is always pretty awesome. It really is awesome. Um, I happened to tune in, I don't know, was it Saturday or Sunday during the day a little bit, and it was beach volleyball, and it was the women. And yeah, they're doing it essentially naked. They are wearing the littlest of bikinis. They might as well be naked. What? They might as well be naked. And then they do the slow-mo of some great great uh, defensive maneuver that one of these extraordinary athletes did. And in the slow-mo, focusing on their buttocks, you see like the buttocks actually, you know, like jiggling, the muscular buttocks jiggling. And I'm thinking there is no way that we should be looking at this. Why are not they closed? Or let's just let them take their clothes off. Why are there any clothes? It would seem if you're on the beach, if you're wearing clothes, then that lets sand get under the clothes, which would be very uncomfortable. So just take them off. And then I noted today that the German women's gymnastics team did not wear the usual little tight butt-showing leotardy things. They did not. They came out in full, I guess it's called a unitard, like the men wear. 
they covered their skin so that they didn't they wouldn't have to be ogled quite as much and they did it as a team because they said they're sick of the sexualization of female athletes let us recall that we have just come off this huge disgusting scandal in American gymnastics with Larry Nasser and others having sexually abused these little girls wearing nothing. And it is so clear that this is all to get men to watch. Women athletes should refuse. And I so credit the German women for doing what they have done. It is disgusting. These extraordinary athletes, and they've got to be out there performing almost naked. I'm just saying, it's disgusting. So I see Jackie Mason died and Kurt wrote me saying, are you feeling guilty? Because I spoke ill of him just the other day. I didn't know he was dying. I interviewed him once and he was a jerk. He was a total jerk. And I'll stand by that. And then as I read his obituary, it's clear he was a jerk. (laughs) He was funny, but he was a jerk. He's a Jew from Wisconsin, like me. Small town Wisconsin, born in Sheboygan, just down the road from Green Bay. Born to an Orthodox rabbi, immigrant. His grandfather was a rabbi. His great-grandfather was a rabbi. His great-great-grandfather was a rabbi. It was a family thing. All his brothers were rabbis. His sisters married rabbis. And he became a rabbi because that's what you did. Do you know where he was a rabbi? Jackie Mason was a rabbi in Latrobe. I bet there's not even a synagogue there now, but yeah. Jackie Mason was a rabbi in Latrobe. He was very unhappy as a rabbi, although I bet his sermons were funny. Joey started, you know, going to the Catskills, doing his thing. I didn't like him for a million reasons. I mean, but first, my my interaction with him personally didn't like him. He was not nice. Uh, Secondly, he refused to acknowledge a daughter of his out of wedlock until DNA showed he was her father. And then he grudgingly uh, agreed to, I guess, pay for her upbringing. Never saw her, never met her. Uh, until she turned 18, then he cut her off again, and uh, she became a comedian. Her name is Sheba Mason. I don't think she ever met him. He voted for Donald Trump. He openly supported Donald Trump. He was a big pal of Rudy Giuliani's. He's a jerk. Jackie Mason. 
Just saying. Now, another obituary that I want to share. I saw a documentary about this guy once and just fell in love. And I'm sorry he died. Same age as Jackie Mason. They both lived long lives, 93 years old. This guy is... uh, name is uh, Harry DeLayer, and uh, he was uh, a Dutch immigrant, uh, came over after uh, World War II. Uh, He had grown up on a farm there with a huge family. He's one of many, many children, 12 children, and um, his family at risk to their own lives, came from good people, extraordinary people, courageous people, because they took in Jews. They hid Jews. His father had dug a a huge uh, secret cellar next to the barn, covered it over with a big pile of manure, He saved people's lives. They would go out looking for downed allied pilots. And they also bring them back and nurse them to health. One American pilot that uh, they found was grievously wounded. Uh, Harry had uh, found him and brought him back to the farm. And he died, and they buried him on the farm. But they sent his dog tags back to his family, who lived in North Carolina. And then he struck up a correspondence with the families of the dead pilot. And it was that family in North Carolina that in 1950 sponsored this huge Dutch family to come to the United States. So that's how he got here, which is a wonderful story in and of itself. He had uh, been an equestrian and a horse trainer, and his career potentially as an equestrian was stopped by the war. But when he got back to, when he came to this country, he started right up again. And um, he started a, uh, a riding school. And in 1956, he traveled to a horse auction uh, here in Pennsylvania. He he wanted some, you know, older horses, uh, easy horses that, you know, would be good to train uh, beginning students on. And he got a flat tire on the way. And by the time he got it fixed and by the time he got to the auction, the auction was over and they were just loading up the losers, the horses that hadn't been bought, loading them onto trucks to go to the slaughterhouse. And he looked in the truck and he saw a bunch of terrified looking animals. And he saw one horse, a white horse. 
that was standing there calm. And he noted its calmness. And he noted that it was healthy and well-built. And he said to the guy, he said, I, I'd like that, that horse. Can you get him off? And the guy says, hey, he's just an old plow horse, probably eight years old. Uh, he said, yeah, no, I want him. I want him. So he bought that horse for 80 bucks. And he brought it back. And his daughter said, oh, I'm going to name him Snowman. And Snowman turned out to be this wondrous horse. And Harry started riding him, a plow horse. And Harry noticed that he had, a, he, he, he thought, geez, this guy, he can jump, I think. And so he started training him as a jumper. And two years after he pulled that old horse out of that death truck, he entered him into a competition and damn if Snowman didn't take the blue ribbon. And then he entered him into another much bigger show and damn if he didn't win the blue ribbon and in fact knock off a two-time defending champion and victory after victory after victory followed. And so Snowman and Harry would travel all over the place on the East Coast to these to these competitions and other horses and their entourages would arrive in fancy trailers and all this incredible equipment. He'd show up with his eight children and uh, a hand-painted sign they had. And at Madison Square Garden in 1958, damned if that old plow horse took the blue ribbon in jumping yet again and was named the horse of the year by the American Horse Show Association. And then he won the Professional Horseman's Association Championship, making Snowman one of the few horses to win what was then considered the Triple Crown in jumping. They ended up on The Tonight Show. They ended up uh, all, over, all, all over the news. They traveled to Europe. People came to the Long Island stable where Harry lived, and they just to stare at Snowman. And when he wasn't in the ring, Snowman was just part of that big, big family. He would swim in the lake with the kids. He would pull them on skis in the winter. A wonderful story. There was a, I saw the doc, there's a documentary, look it up, Harry and Snowman, it's called. I happened to see it years ago and it's just, well, it's the story I told you. It's just wonderful. Only you'll see, you'll see this marvelous animal. And uh, Snowman was put down in 1974. 
Harry told the vet, I can't, I can't be here. I can't. And yet snowman refused. The veterinarian was trying to take snowman from his stable and the horse wouldn't go until Harry came back and tearfully walked him out. There. Now, there was a story. I went out to dinner with Sally and another friend, Kit. And um, I think on Friday, Saturday, I don't know, one of them days. <laughs> and <coughs> Kit said, what did you think of that story about the Fox Chapel squatter thing that I said, what? I didn't know. I, what? I didn't know it. So she starts telling the story. It seemed unbelievable to me. Have you, do you know the story? I, this to me is a movie. This is, this should be a movie. I don't know that, um, I don't know where it stands right now, but the the protagonist of this movie is a black guy. I think he's 26 years old. And man, I'm a great fan of his. I think he's out of jail now. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to find it for you because I never, here it is. It's an extraordinary story. There's this home in Fox Chapel. It was for sale. It'd been on the market for a long time. It cost, they were asking uh, 700000 for it. And um, finally, somebody bought it. Sight unseen. I guess that happens these days. Somebody from out of state it goes online and says, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll buy that house. I don't know. So the realtor who hadn't showed it to anybody in a while goes to the house to, you know, make sure everything's okay there and tries to open, uh, it start, wants to open the door, but the lockbox, you know, the realtor lockbox she'd put on the front door was gone. And she tried to get in and it was, it was locked. And she couldn't understand it. She goes to the window and looks in and, and she sees uh, furniture. And not only that, the for sale sign she had put up had been replaced with a no trespassing sign. Uh, needless to say, the realtor thought Something's up here, and I'm getting the hell out of here. She called the cops. The Fox Chapel police showed up, and there they found, oh, he's 28, this 28-year-old guy. Who? Oh, wait. I, you know, this story gets so confusing, I can't even... I have to tell you, I don't even understand this story. 
No, the Fox Chapel police didn't go to the house. They arrested the guy when he went to the police. He went to the police to report a break-in at his property. At the house he had moved into. I mean, now you would say right there, uh, that wasn't the smartest thing in the world. This guy is is sometimes incredibly smart, audaciously smart, and then incredibly delusionary, obviously. His name is Noble Prince Kamuri L. And he is 28 years old. The cops arrested him, charged him with two counts of felony criminal trespass, and he was put in the Allegheny County Jail. Last I heard, he was released on his own recognizance, which is pretty unusual for a black man. Now get this. This guy, first of all, the audacity to move into a house that's for sale to take down the for sale sign, to put up no trespassing signs, to somehow take the lockbox off, to move your furniture in. It's a four-bedroom house. They said that there was furniture in most rooms. Turns out that this guy played football at Gateway Senior High School. That's Monroeville, right? And under another name, he changed his name after he uh, graduated from high school. He originally played, I guess, at Shenley, and then he went in his senior year to Fox Chapel. The Fox Chapel coach was asked about him and said uh, that he was a, you know, a great kid. Um. He remembers his name was Somerville. He says he remembers him as um, as a year in the school letter playing tight end and defensive back. He was a normal kid, never a problem. But at some point after high school, he started taking on a different set of beliefs uh, and 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 swore his loyalty to an authority that said that he didn't have to listen to the United States of America. In this regard, he sounds a little like some of the crazed right-wingers. He, he joined a religious movement, uh, I guess called the Moorish Sovereigns or something. And I think that might be the same guys that got um, arrested on the Massachusetts Turnpike. They were Moorish something or others too. Um, and it, it, this religion teaches that African-Americans are an elite class in America with unique rights that transcend government authority. So that's why he just felt he could take this house. He walks. He, he acts, I mean, there's something so sad, something so funny, something so audacious, something so. I want to help this kid. I just, I, to me, I don't know. He's younger than my son. And I, how did he get the furniture in there? Well, how did he even, there's so many questions. 
And then it gets even more so. County records show that this guy has been trying to gain control of the property since June 3rd, legally, under the name Prince Akin Kamori L. Akondo. He filed paperwork asking uh, Allegheny County Department of Real Estate to record his company. He had a company as the grantee on the warranty deed for the Fox Chapel home. And I mean, that guy, that, that ended up in court and the, and, and the, in federal court, this is while he's still living there before he got found out. And the, the federal judge said, a uh, federal judge, this is on July 12th, federal judge Marilyn Horan issued an order stating that uh, Mr. Uh, Prince Akeen Kamori Alicondo uh, had until August 3rd to retain a licensed attorney to represent him, or else the case would be dismissed. But no, tell me this isn't just the most wonderful of stories. But I, I want to help this kid. I don't know. I'm worrying about him. He must have family here. He must have some means. He he seems, I mean, I couldn't know more. I mean, again, the audacity of filing, a com- trying through the federal courts to gain possession of a property that is not his, that's, yes, stupid. It's also wonderfully, I don't know, audacious and funny. And I, oh, oh man. Anyway, I wanted to share that. That needs to be a movie. It's not that we don't know the rest of the story, as they say, but that needs he somebody let Hollywood know so that we can um this guy can make some money. <laughs> because man, he's living a life. He's living this amazing story. He's the star of his own life. B writes, uh Bree writes. Another request to have people go over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Once you have a thousand subscribers, you can join the partner program. See, I don't, I myself haven't subscribed. Okay. So you go to YouTube, you go to my show on YouTube and hit subscribe. Doesn't cost you anything. He says, I need 300 more people. I think a lot of people, he says, listen via the city paper site, and that's great. Support city paper more than YouTube. But if they have a YouTube sign-in, they can just hit subscribe and then go back to however they listen. Not a big deal, but it would be nice. I thank you, Bree, for this. I see. I am so clueless about this kind of thing. Would some of you do that? See, I don't belong. Okay, I'm going to subscribe to you. I'll do it. So that's one more. Because, no, you're right. Obviously, I have more. Uh, we got a bigger audience than a thousand. We do. 
I know some people think I just have a few because they see the number when they're watching. That's not it. There's many ways that people access the program. So, yeah. Would you do that? Breeze asked twice. I think the least we could do. Huh? Please do it. Thank you. Tell your friends to do it. They don't even have to watch the show or listen to it. Roger writes in regard to the geniuses at the Mars uh, school board. Uh, what makes Mars and these other patriotic school districts different from what happens in schools in autocratic countries? Nothing. This is what we're turning into an autocracy. And there's a lot of Americans who are right on board. By the way, last week you said the scantily clad women athletes jiggled. I said it again today. They're too toned to jiggle. No, even a toned muscle. I mean, there's skin on top with some. Yeah, there's still. I told you, I watched the slow-mo. There was some jiggling, wonderful jiggling. I mean, because it's such toned musculature. Roger says, I watched the end of the men's triathlon, little left to the imagination with their outfits either. Well, why don't, you know, the original Olympics, they, they we're in the nude. Let's just go, let's just cut to the chase and let's just do it in the nude. Okay? Fine with me. Fine with me. All right, you guys, I think we're done. I know I'm done. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll see if we can corral my sister Susan. Come and join us, too. Have a great day. Stay cool. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>